0: This is a podcast for Functional Ecology at British Ecological Society publication.
1: So, hi there. Um, this is uh, Ken Thompson, one of the senior editors of Functional Ecology, and I'm talking this morning to Jureen Kemp, um, the author of um, a recent paper in Functional Ecology called "Cryptic Petal Coloration Decreases Floral Apparency. And herbivory in nocturnally closing daisies, and I'm talking to Jureen because this paper was, was is shortlisted for the Haldane Prize. That's the journal's annual prize for a paper by a a young researcher. So, Jureen, um, can you can you just just to kick things off, can you can you briefly tell us? Um, what you did in this paper, and what you were aiming to show, and and, and what you found.
0: Yeah, uh, hi. So, I'm going to start off by telling you how we came about this idea. I think people are often a little bit surprised by the idea of looking at crypsis or camouflage in flowers. So, how this started off was my PhD work focused on pollination interactions in the Namakuland region of South Africa. And this region is a semi-desert, so really very dry, but every winter it gets a little bit of rain. And springtime, the landscape absolutely transforms and it becomes covered in flowers. And we see the most predictable mass flowering display in the world. So it's similar to what happens in California every couple of years, but this happens every year. Um, The mass flowering consists mainly of daisies and there are about 400 or so different daisy species in the area. And the species that I worked on only opens its flowers at around 10 or 11 in the morning. And the flowers close around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And for my pollination work, I used to go to the field before the flowers opened. And I would really struggle to spot my flowers at my sites. When the flowers were open, I could very easily see them, even from a distance, even whilst driving in the car. But when they were closed, I could hardly locate them. Um, and I noticed that some of the daisy species seem to be producing different colors on the upper petal surfaces, so those are ex- are exposed when they're open, and the lower petal surfaces, so those that are exposed when the flowers are closed. And I mentioned this to my supervisor, uh, Professor Alan Ellis, and I told him that the flowers almost seem camouflaged when they're closed. And he said, yes, he's been thinking the same thing for years. And he's actually started to collect a little bit of color data on these daisies. And we came back to this idea a couple of years later. So our main aim was to test whether these daisy species that close from about 4 in the afternoon until 10 the next morning produce cryptic colors on the surfaces that are exposed when they are closed. So this ability of flowers to close is something which is phylogenetically conserved Um, and in the daisy family all the species within a genus will either close or remain open Um, but this varies between genera but not within genera and this variation within the daisy family between closing and open species um, provided us with a really nice natural design Uh, where some daisies would close and others will not And this allowed us to use the non-closing species as a control when testing for whether closing species have cryptic colors on the undersides of their petals. So we used two approaches to uh, test this cryptic idea. The first is a modeling approach which we could apply to a lot of species, and we tested almost 80 species for this. And then to verify our modeling approach, we used an experimental approach and we only used a handful of species for this. So for the modeling approach, uh, we used spectrophotometry to measure the colors of the upper petal surfaces. So those that are exposed to pollinators when the flowers are open. And we also measured the colors of the lower petal surfaces. So those surfaces that are exposed when the daisies are closed or in non-closing species, the surfaces that are never exposed to anything. So if, in closing species, pollinators are exerting selection on the upper petal surfaces, and herbivores are exerting selection on the lower petal surfaces, then we expected different colors to be produced on the upper and lower petal surfaces because you have two different agents of selection on those different surfaces. In non-closing species, only pollinators should be exerting selection on the upper petal surfaces and nothing should be exerting selection on the lower petal surfaces. So ex- we expected the petals to be the same color all over. And we tested this and we showed that, yeah, closing daisies are actually producing, producing different colors on their upper and lower petal surfaces. For instance, um, some daisies would produce UV yellow, which is something which is really attractive to bees, on their upper petal surfaces, and on the lower petal surfaces, so the parts that are exposed when they're closed, would be a more greenish color. Um, And then non-closing species didn't do this, they had the same color all over. Um, But now we know, okay, we have different colors on the upper and lower petal surfaces, but are those colors that are produced on the lower petal surfaces in closing daisies, are those actually quite difficult for herbivores to see or not? So what we did then is we modeled the colors in the way that different herbivores would see them. And we modeled it against the natural background and we showed that the herbivores do find it difficult to distinguish those colors of the lower petal surfaces of closing daisies from the natural background, so a modelling approach suggested that uh, these daisies were indeed cryptically coloured. So to verify our modelling, we wanted to test this experimentally, and to do this, we used uh, we did a series of experiments with tortoises. Um, with these tortoises, we uh, they were in a little pen, and we presented each tortoise with some open flowers that were placed on leaves and we tested, we recorded whether they would preferentially eat the leaves or the open flowers. We then did another experiment where we put closed flowers on leaves and we again recorded whether they would eat the closed flowers or the leaves. And what we showed was that when the flowers were open, the tortoises were preferentially eating the flowers rather than the leaves and when the Flowers were closed, they would randomly forage between the flowers and the leaves. So it seemed to be they were um, only by chance eating the flowers when the flowers were closed. So our experimental results then really nicely supported our modeling results. So it seems that these daisies that close during um, parts of the day or in the evenings um, seem to be having cryptic colors on the surfaces that are exposed to the herbivores, and this is actually reducing herbivory rates.
1: Okay, that's that's great. I think that's a really, really neat study. I, I really enjoy reading this paper. And I'm, I'm fascinated that you were prompted to think about crypsis to herbivores by the fact that yeah. your study species were cryptic to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in other
1: words, you, you Because you couldn't see them. You wondered yeah. if herbivores couldn't see them either and I think that's there's a lesson there for us all isn't there which is keep your eyes open in the field and you never know what uh, interesting things you might notice so there's a lot of these species and closing and non-closing is conserved at the generic level
0: yes in the daisy family yes
1: yeah in this in the in the in the Asteraceae in the, in the Asteraceae and is yes. it is it always is it always just absolutely one or the other it's, it's totally binary there's no uh, there's no there's no halfway house
0: yeah, so that was quite easy to categorize them uh it seems to be quite a strict either closing or open um and not it doesn't seem to be a continuous trait at all um there were actually three categories uh we have and two of those we lumped together as non closing so you have your um closing category where the daisies fold their petals upwards and they close some of them close quite tightly so they almost look like a bud a flower bud um and then we had two states which we grouped together as non-closing um the first is uh they would keep their petals completely open so they never move their petals at all um, and the second state is the flowers sometimes recurve their petals. So they fold their, they roll their petals a bit backwards towards the stem. And this was also a very discreet category, which some genera do and some don't. But this recurving category, they also never expose their lower petal surfaces. So that's why we lumped them together with the open daisies. Okay. Yeah. I
1: think, I think, I mean, the, the really convincing part of the, your paper, the, re, the part that really convinced me you know, that something going on here is the, is the herbivory experiment, which is absolutely clear. And I love, I loved the bit where you gave them, you gave them flowers, open flowers, the right way up and upside down. Yeah. Um, and they and they they couldn't, they clearly couldn't see upside down flowers at all. Yeah. Um I, I really enjoyed that. But I, when I read that, I thought, this is interesting, isn't it? Because I thought, is there anything about tortoises specifically that's going on here because i could see why tortoises were a great herbivore to use because they're easy to you know they're small they're well behaved yeah um they don't they don't run about very quickly
0: Yes. yes um
1: but i also thought tortoises you know they're kind of right down at flower level aren't they they're not moving very fast they're kind of they're kind of carefully looking at everything they they select before they eat and so on and I thought is there something about tortoises that makes them more likely to be fooled by this kind of crypsis and I thought specifically um, you have ungulate herbivores obviously in these in these communities and I ungulates are they're a bit more like sort of lawnmowers aren't they ungulates they just they're just munching away you know more or less presumably at at anything and I, I wondered if I wonder if you thought it might, specifically, if tortoise herbivory might have been one of, you know, a particularly powerful agent of selection for this particular kind of cryptism. That's what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, so I actually think it's both groups, both tortoises and ungulates. Um, from our modeling approach, we did it with both reptile and ungulate vision. And the results were similar for both groups, um, suggesting that neither tortoises nor ungulates can see the closed flowers very well. Um, and ungulates actually have poorer colour vision than tortoises. They're dichromats, so they only have two colour re- receptors, whereas tortoises have four. Um, and as you said, the reason we used tortoises in the experiments were purely practical. Uh, they're much easier to work with than ungulates and we had access to tame tortoises. Um, but what from what we've observed in the field from looking at the ungulates Um, as well as the tortoises, it seems that both groups are picking the flowers when they're feeding. They are walking about and you can see them actively pick off flower after flower after flower. So I think ungulates are doing the same thing as the tortoises. They're going for the flowers um, rather than the leaves. And this makes sense um, in the sense that both ungulates and tortoises both only eat plants and it's really tricky to get enough protein in their diets. And flowers have lots of pollen and pollen has lots of protein. So by eating flowers, potentially they're getting a little bit more protein in their diets. Um, Honestly, I think ungulates might actually be a little bit of a stronger selection pressure than the tortoises, simply because of their abundances and the volumes that they consume. And I think they also move larger areas. And in this mass flowering display, there's three really millions of flowers. So I think, yeah, ungulates are more likely to consume more of them. But yeah, yeah I think both yeah. groups are important. It, we just couldn't do the experiments with ungulates because it would have been massively difficult. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. So is there any possibility of anyone doing this again with ungulates to see what happens? Or is is that it? <laughs>
0: Uh, it would be great though. Um, I think we could probably do it with other ungulates, not the relevant ones. What was nice was these tortoises are the ones that occur in that region. So the ungulates in that region would be springbuck or kudu, which I don't think we could get proper tame ones of and get enough of them to have proper sample sizes. Uh, you could potentially try it with something else like horses, um, give them a patch of flowers and see what they eat. Uh, that's definitely an option. Um, but yeah. yeah i think maybe in another study where you do something similar that could be an option
1: yeah so you're you're careful at the towards the end of your paper to to say that uh, although the evidence you've got for herbivory um, effective crypsis is, is is very convincing that that may not be the only thing that the these plants are doing and you mention at one point that uh Having different colours on the underside of closed petals might affect the temperature of the of the flowers. And yeah. uh, could you tell us just a bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I think it's always important to to at least consider all the alternate hypotheses. Um, personally, I'm quite interested in multiple selec- agents of selection. Again, like thinking about pollinators and herbivores, but that's I mean not necessarily the only things that are involved in this so a couple of studies have shown that internal flower temperatures can vary between um, flowers that are producing different colored petals and some of the advantages of that is thought to be things like enhancing pollen tube growth or helping with embryo development and the Namaqualand region again it's a semi-desert so it gets really cold at night Um, and this might potentially be a way in which um yeah which pollen tube growth is enhanced or embryo development Uh, some of the work in that area has looked a little bit at uh, temperatures and in flowers and whether there's variation between closing flowers and and those that don't or between ambient temperatures and only for one species has any differences been found between ambient temperatures and um, closed flowers and that's for one particular species and the only thing that happens is that it warms up quicker in the mornings and that could be an advantage yeah. um it could uh, enhance pollen maturation but i think in our system if you would you would expect a lot more dark colors so blacks or yeah. darker reds if it was for temperature advantages rather than um crypsis, where we're seeing a couple of greens or bluish colors um so yeah but that's still an option i think and there's some work in israel at the moment that's looking explicitly at how um dark colors of these irises these black irises might be providing a temperature advantage to pollinators that are sleeping in the flowers so yeah color isn't necessarily only for pollinators i think that's the main thing we're trying to say
1: yeah so it could be temperature possibly involved but you'd expect darker darker colors if if that was really
0: yeah I think so I think we would expect darker colors but I mean this is just speculation right like you would have to go measure color related to temperature Mm. and then relate that to fitness itself so yeah Yeah.
1: so what um at the end of all this work what what do you think is are there are there big unanswered questions? Has this has this caused you to think about other things that ought to be investigated in this system?
0: Um, I think generally people have l- overlooked the role of herbivory and florivory in flower colour evolution. Flower colour is usually seen as um, a pollinator attractant, uh, which it is, of course. But yeah, people have ignored the role of herbivory, and there's been quite a Bit of work in the chemical side of flowers that shows that chemicals are important for deterring herbivores and attracting pollinators, and there are trade-offs in terms of that. And it's likely that this is also true for flower colour, but this is something which hasn't really been looked at. And I think it's particularly an interesting avenue because ungulates, as I said earlier, are dichromats, so they actually have really poor colour vision. Whereas your bees are tetrachromats or trichromats, and your birds are tetrachromats, so they have more colour receptors. So bees and birds and butterflies they can all see things like UV, which we can't see and which ungulates also can't see. So potentially there's a colour niche that flowers can exploit where they can be visible to their pollinators and they can. Uh, be invisible, if you want, or camouflaged uh, to herbivores. But this is something which people haven't really looked at. They haven't. They don't usually model flower color in herbivore vision at all to see whether that holds true or not. So I think that is something which applies more generally and is not only specific to the Namaquiland system. And I think one of the other things which is interesting is there's quite a few flowers, uh, especially like Asclepiads and a couple of orchids, which are often greenish or brownish and then they produce produce really strong scents to attract their pollinators. And those green and brown colours might be again a cryptic coloration where they're avoiding um, herbivores for color and attracting pollinators through scent, potentially, but again, it's not viewed as a herbivore avoidant, and it hasn't been shown to be a herbivore avoidant. So I think that's the important thing that we're trying to bring across: is that um, color might not only be selected for by pollinators, but it might have other functions as well.
1: Right. So you, so basically, although you were working this specific system where this is this is very obvious,
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: you. You, you really think people should be looking for this general idea of crypsis against herbivores um, more generally in other in other systems?
0: Yeah, I think crypsis, but I don't think it, it'll always be as strong as crypsis. Um, it might, colour might just be an optimization between what selection by pollinators and selection by herbivores. So it won't always result in strong crypsis that, that you expect under strong selection by herbivores. Um, but I think it it is usually an optimization and people are only looking at one side of it mostly.
1: Right. Well that's that's been really, really interesting, Jureen. I've really enjoyed talking to you this morning and thanks for uh thanks for doing that. And uh yeah, pleasure. I, as I say, I really enjoyed the paper as
0: well. Good, I'm glad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you.